Welcome to the Untitled Film Project Podcast, the podcast you should listen to right after you see the movie. Today we're talking about Jordan Peele's Nope. It's rare that a director can just simply put people in seats with his name alone, but Jordan Peele has earned that privilege. Nope, the story of a family ranch in California that raises horses to be used in movies. But there is something in the skies over that ranch, and it could either make them rich or make them die. What a synopsis by Jim. (laughs) Uh, Initial reactions, just minutes out of the movie theater, from Jeremy Kakeover. I didn't really want to start on this one. Uh, I I, I I wanted you to. I I know you did. I'm still processing... What I just saw. We literally just saw it. Yeah. Um, Together. Yeah. yeah but was, then we didn't talk about it, by it was, the way. It was beautiful. We're very... We held hands. <laughs> and shared popcorn. We had a couple jump scares. <laughs> yes. I fell in his lap. <laughs> I enjoyed every second of that. Arms went around shoulders. Yes. Yes. Uh, okay. The, the movie, it, it's a good film. I'll leave it mm-hmm. at that. And I'll just say, and we'll get to all the breakdown and stuff later, but it was a good movie. Jordan Peele really put his stamp on this, which I love, because he wrote directed and produced it and i the performances all around were great i have some questions about the actual meat of the movie but overall i i left feeling satisfied like the meat that was processed within the the meat that was dropped on somebody's house or like in a in a sense (laughs) yes Sorry, I couldn't help myself. (laughs) So, uh, Justin Bradford, uh, you also uh, just had your eyeballs in front of Jordan Peele's Nope. First impressions. Yeah, so we saw it, Gover and I saw it Mm -hmm. in Dolby. Nice. And Which is, I think, this is the kind of movie because it's jump scare sometimes, it's thriller, music is driving it. Because in horror, thriller, anything, music really does drive it, feeling the rumbles, you don't know what's coming. It's setting you up, but you don't know. Feeling the music is a big part of what makes a thriller film good. Or the lack of music. Or the lack of music. Yes, the very quiet parts are like, oh, I probably shouldn't open this wrapper. Mm -hmm. And then one person... You mean you shouldn't have your burger delivered to your seat while... (laughs) It was during the trailer. Shut up. Movie theater courtesy. Yes. But yes, Gore makes a good point. Music or lack thereof really helps set a scene so much in terms of anticipation. Seeing it in Dolby in a crisp screen like that um you, heartbreak feels good in a place like this okay that's enough <laughs> but i was on especially the first and second act i was on the edge of my seat mm. not literally because it's dolby i was reclining in my lap because yeah <laughs> but there was so much anticipation and that's credit to the filmmaker the suspense and, and the, the suspense the thrill not knowing what's next because it's almost all the time in something like this you don't know because the trailers give a tease you don't know is it an alien movie no, we're is gonna, it a horror we're gonna movie we're going to get into that we're going to get into it, you, you, can't, you have ideas but you don't know the direction it's going to take so you don't know yeah. when a jump scare is going to happen they withheld it, a lot they withheld a lot and I, I like that I like that so much I know Gover's one that typically never likes to watch trailers because he wants to go fret with fresh eyes and not be misdirected by a trailer and you know sure. i follow a tiktoker who is a movie trailer maker and it's interesting to see how he comments on how some studios have gone too far with giving away too much oh yeah they show you the, the whole movie the trailer i think did a good job just piquing your interest and even then there's not much marketing behind this because i've even had somebody comment that this is the first i've heard of this until i saw some other hockey person talk about <laughs> that they didn't enjoy it but I enjoyed it for the spectacle that it was, 
for the not knowing what it was and Jordan Peele's stamp on this as well. I really like Daniel Kaluuya's performance, Kiki Palmer. I thought they were fantastic. They were. Uh, in this, they're really fantastic. Perfect I, pairing. Yes. And it's weird. It's different. It's not like what something we've seen before. And that's what I enjoyed about it. There are parts where it leaves you wanting more. And there's so many questions. Like what Govern said, diving into the meat of this, of so many side stories mm-hmm. of characters. But it's okay because it's all just part of the story that Jordan Peele has put together to make you question so many things. And how we were talking before we recorded, Jim, is there's a lot to digest and process. It's less than an hour since getting out of this for me yeah. at the time of recording. And there's still so much to process. But I like that we're recording now because we're not being influenced by other writers or other takes on this as well. Sure. We are giving our full raw comments. We haven't talked a At single all. word, but we we left the theater. I put my popcorn out and I go, I'll see you at the studio. He goes, me too. And we walked out. So we have not discussed anything. During the credits also it was, hmm. Yeah. That's all <laughs> that's I did all during said. the credits. <laughs> well, you know, that's, uh, that's also something I share in common. I go to the movies a lot with my daughter and our rule is we don't comment about the movie while we're in the movie not on the way out, maybe about halfway uh, home in the car. Interesting. We'll start talking about it. Because I, I always need something to process, and I think Nope is one of those movies that you need a lot of time to process because there is so much that you're taking in. Visually, story-wise, uh, there is so much to, I guess, uh, peel away to nah, get nah, to nah, what nah, is nah, the... Nah, uh, nah, I didn't even, he didn't even mean I, to do it. I know he didn't. That's why I didn't, call it I didn't know I was doing that. I'm ashamed of myself, but I, <laughs> I am innocent. It was an accident. Uh, I absolutely adore this movie, wow. and this this is the movie where I you know I've had the greatest respect for Jordan Peele since he started making. He's this is only his third film, mm-hmm. but his first two films. He's won Academy Awards. He's you know created the zeitgeist where everybody is talking about whatever movie he puts out. And I think what he did was he took that suspense from maybe Get Out, that little bit of horror and, you know, uh, sci-fi aspect of us. He put both of those into the first two-thirds of this movie. And then he almost, like, peeled off the mask and became Spielberg in the third act, and it became a summer action thriller. Interesting. And I Say that in the highest compliment because he has such rich, I guess, uh, I guess he creates such rich dialogue about like the pathos in America and the psyche and things that really, you know, unnerve us. And then he dialed it back and brought in the blockbuster. Uh, I really compare this movie to Jaws. Uh, We have. All the character development, we have these interests, we have this family that's running this ranch uh, that loans their horses out to the movie industry. And uh, we also have uh, Stephen Jung's character, Jupe, who's uh, a former child star who, you know, is just trying to grasp at the fame he had when he was, you know, in Hollywood. And he's got his own theme park that's just in the other valley, away from uh, the other ranch. And both of them are, are trying to, to capture something. Uh, Kiki Palmer, she's trying to capture the perfect image of a UFO, one that has to be had. And Stephen Jung is just trying to get the fame and notoriety back that he had as a child star. All this simmering with the monster that we barely see. And then, like Jaws, in the final act, 
it's on. The hunt is on. <laughs> but who's being hunted? I, I thought this was just a, a terrific movie. As much as you can say, like, oh, okay, well, the third act, he just kind of, he just went for summer popcorn movie. No, all those rich themes that were in his first two movies are here in Nope, and you'll think about them for days. I just wanted to note that I'm glad you said Spielberg, not like Roland Emmerich. <laughs> when it came to Amen summer to popcorn <laughs> movies, yeah. like, we need to get Independence Day 2. <laughs> yeah, 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 thank God we didn't. Or Godzilla. God we didn't. Or... I just wanted, as soon as you said that, I was like, oh yeah, this is definitely not an Independence Day 2 type of thing. This isn't... Emmerich goes nuts. <laughs> exactly. I will ask some questions here okay okay because i did leave the theater with a lot of questions i don't know if they matter i don't know if it's important to the story or not if i'm overthinking it shocker or i don't i just don't know so i'm just gonna throw them out please and we're gonna see what happens okay are we just supposed to believe that this monster in the sky the cloud monster if you will yes has just shown up like how how are we supposed to how are we supposed to believe that it got there i don't think we're supposed to know I That's supposed to be one of those things you just accept. It, it's a surprise, uh, and the first we find out about it is through the death of OJ and M's father. You know, great scene. OJ Senior, the man's scene. killed. Great scene. You know, just with a nickel sitting on top of his horse, he gets killed by a nickel falling from the sky. That turns out to be the undigested parts of. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, all, I mean, go all the things he's eaten. Reminds me of War of the Worlds, or a little bit of sure. essence of War of the Worlds, and their bodies getting processed. <laughs> yeah. Second question: What did I miss from the Monkey Show flashbacks? I don't understand why that was important to show. So all he had to do was say, "This kid is a child actor," and that you know they went to that little hallway or whatever, and then he, she, he's showing around. Oh, I was in this, and she. That's all you needed. You didn't need. The shock of a monkey going nuts on people and the crowd emptying out, and you didn't need that. I think so to do. me, it was well, go ahead. I think you do. Okay, because why? Because one of the major themes of this movie is nature cannot be tamed or exploited. Okay, for as long as you go, it's it's going to revert to its nature and do what it does. So you have the the child star who is a witness to a monkey that's in a sitcom who reverts to its nature and murders people, okay? He or rips is, faces off. And, yeah, or rips faces off. So he, he, is, uh, he is a guy so starved for fame that he is willing to overlook the fact that he's witnessed a terrible, terrible event right in front of his eyes, blood everywhere, because he wants the fame he had from being a childhood actor first, okay? So okay. He, he, has, he has so distanced himself from the horror of the nature that, <laughs> that he doesn't even talk about that event in, like, first person. He just talks about a skit on, they did on Saturday Night Live with yeah. Chris Kattan yeah. <laughs> reenacting this. And it's a full this. museum that's hidden that he charges people to right. see or spend the night in. Right. So he has <laughs> definitely not learned his lesson that you cannot control or tame nature. So you're you're saying symbolism is more why you need to see that. Yeah. And he dies because of that. Because right. look, he tries to make a show out of a predator. Yes. And because he discovers that this is here and it feasts on horses. Right. And, and and living beings. And he tries to make a show out of it and he dies because of it. 
because he cannot okay. accept that nature right there too. And, and that's that's another the other theme, Jim. Too yeah. is even in the beginning of respecting the horse. It's yes. like don't don't walk behind, don't walk behind, don't don't look at don't it, look don't, it look, don't look it in the eye. All those little things about nature and what the nature is of these animals and everything too kind of rolls into that. So it's it's character development, but also lesson teaching, I think too. All right, my last question is. The first trailer, we touched on this a little bit, but the first trailer I ever saw for this film yeah. was in the theater, and it very much, and I don't know if I read into this because it's Jordan Peele or not, but I, it's it's set up like a horror movie to me. I was like, that's a horror movie. It's a different kind of horror. I have, well, no, yes. but I'm saying yes. I have I have no interest in seeing that. It's a horror movie. Uh, then the I second think, trailer dropped. I think dropped, most people probably thought the same thing. Okay. And then the second pl- trailer dropped, and it's like, oh, it's more of a suspense type of Yes. Film, which I think is more accurate. He's by trying the to make way. you guess. Like I think the whole point of it was to make you question to where you have to see it because you don't know what it is. Right. But my question is, how do we feel about that? I'm good with that. Because for me, as an as an audience member, now I go to a lot of movies, so it's a little different. Okay. Sure. But I will tell you that if I didn't have this podcast, I never would have went and saw that movie simply based on the fact that it's a horror movie. But you might have if someone told you or you saw something about this was a great thriller or something like that, I think yes. if this depends on the, the cult classic nature of so many things, that I think the first weekend may not be as huge, but the second weekend I think is going to have a good showing in the second weekend because of word of mouth because of things like this and video sure. reviews and people talking about it more because Jordan Peele's movies rely on people discussing it because you have to digest. Yeah, and I think if you look at this movie like you do Jaws – which I make that comparison because I, I really think it's a really good one. You would not call Jaws a horror movie. No, you'd call it a, a thriller. A, you know, there's there. It's a suspense movie for most of the film, and then the third act, it's full on. It's on. It's, it's a, a war. It's a war. It's a hunt. <laughs> so I I think that uh, Jordan Peele didn't owe us, uh, I guess, a category or definition. By using the trailers, I think he's just a master of knowing what uneases us mm-hmm. and doesn't allow us to get comfortable. And he did it even in the marketing. I, yeah. I I agree with all that. I guess where I'm going with this question is, how do we feel about it? Because I've been I've seen other movies where I've been like, oh, I got to go see that, yeah. and then I get to the film and it's nowhere near what they marketed it as. Now okay. this is different because there's two different trailers that told two different. Sure. That conveyed two different genres, okay? So I know this is a little bit different, but I have been burned by that before, and I've also been like oh, pleasantly surprised about mm-hmm. by that before. I don't I don't know if I have a problem with it or not. Where the studio puts out a trailer that's misleading in a sense. Get you Ooh. to think it's one film when it's really something different. I think that- I don't want to say it's a personal problem, but I think it's no, a personal No, it might I be. Think it's more a personal I'm, thing. I'm coming to the team here asking yeah, yeah. the question. No, and, and so my take on this is I was intrigued, and I think that's the aim for these trailers and for Jordan Peele, too, is he wants to intrigue people enough to go and watch it and to talk about it. That's the accomplishment right there. It's not about genre or categorizing the movie or anything mm-hmm. like that, because I would say you cannot put this in one category. It's like he's creating his own genre of, oh, it's a Jordan Peele film. That's, right. that's what it's becoming right now because of the mix of things. So to me, I like that because I'm so intrigued that as soon as I saw the first trailer, I was like, I want to see that. I want to see that. No matter what, I want to see that to see what it's about. And, and I was the opposite. I saw on. it and was like, I have no interest in seeing it because it's a horror movie. The use of comedy even through scary moments. Yep. 
Absolutely. And I really, I, but I really enjoy that because there were some moments where it's Thank like you. an intense scene, and all of a sudden, a laugh comes in. Yeah, Kiki Palmer was yeah. a, was a, an excellent example of that. She had some terrific dialogue, and then Brandon Perea, who plays the Geek Squad guy who wants in on everything. <laughs> yeah, he just comes in and says, These "Aliens, they're just waiting for the perfect time to shove metal probes up." Our I'll be rooting for you. <laughs> So, yeah, you need those those breaks in the tension, and I love when those parts came. Just Daniel Kaluuya's delivery of nope, when yeah. when he would say, because it was just, it wasn't like it was so on the nose, because it's a real reaction of, nope, not, not dealing with that, nope, not, not even going to touch that. Especially when he was hiding in his truck. Oh my gosh, it was great. And he opened the door just enough to see, mm-hmm. and then he saw what he saw, and he was, nope, nope. Nope, nope, nope. It was... <laughs> It awesome. was perfect. Awesome. And I think, what, here's what yeah. gets me. There are at least four people that walked out of the movie only halfway through. Really? And yes. I think this is the type of film that it you need to at least see it all the way through so you can form your opinion on it. And yeah, I'm being judgy here, but Dolby's $20, so I'm assuming they might have had A-list. Because <laughs> that'd be right. $40 down the drain for you to walk out halfway through. Now, if it's a bad movie, that's one thing where you did, where they misdelivered right. on what you feel like this film should be about, which but, there are bad movies. I'll right. sit through it so I can form my full opinion because it's like, I sat through that crap. And if you've listened to this show for any length of time, <laughs> you know my Pulp Fiction story, which is you, I will never right. leave a movie, no matter right. how bad it is, I'll never leave a movie early But anymore. there are people that walked out yep. going, you missed a lot of how you could form your opinion. You know, whether you liked it or not, but I'm going to have a difficult time believing anybody that thinks this movie was crap. Okay, but to that point, though, and I did want to touch on this. This is my notes. It was very slow for a long time. There was a buildup. There were moves. Uh, moves. There, yes. were, there were funny lines, and there were like you know things you had to pay attention to, for sure. I'm not saying it was all throwaway stuff. I just mean that most of the first two acts, dialogue, slow scenery, not a lot of action in the background. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just—it was just a very kind of like, okay, when is this going to get told? It's a slow build. It is. It's for a sure. very slow build, and that's where I fully, fully understand how this movie. There is going to be plenty of people that just don't like it, whether it's because they don't get it or they just didn't enjoy it as much, or they leave. It's not the type of four people we saw, right? So I think I don't want to say it's going to be divisive. I don't think it's divisive yeah, per se. It's just going to be it's either for you or much. not. Because yeah. to, cause to that point, right? Like if they if they were, let's just say those four people that got up and left in front of us. Let's just say they were they were they were not together. By the way, there was two and there was two more. Just mm-hmm. so we're okay. clear. Uh, let's just say they thought what I thought after the first trailer. Like, oh, this is going to be a horror movie, and they're horror fans and they're like, let's do this. And they get in there and it's like that. Not enough people not dying for sixty yeah. minutes of just kind of not again not boring but just very lack of emotion inflection all that stuff. That's gonna, you're like this is not what we signed up for. I'm out. Right. Yeah. So I can see that you can't do that as a personal rule, but I can see somebody giving up at that point. Yeah. It was very slow, very early. What you would say slow, I would say was mood and world building. Uh, that it, the, the thing is, it takes place in a valley separated from the rest of the world. Uh, so you have to get to know that world, and that world consists of two ranches near each other. One of them is, you know, craftsmen who you know have worked in the Hollywood film industry with animals and are are very low key. And the other one is all showmanship. He's got this like Wally world, mm-hmm. you know, so <laughs> Great to, reference. to the to the westerns, uh, you know, in. It's like it's more like something you'd see, uh, you know, the world's largest 
ball of string, you know, out. It's, it's an exit ramp attraction. And uh, so you've got these really odd kind of pairings of, uh, I guess, what your settings are. And I think you needed that. And they, and they did it, I think, with a great job. He, Jordan Peele, has his pick now of whoever he wants to work with We'll work with him. Oh, yeah. So, mm-hmm. Hoyta van Hoytema, which is like, I know it sounds like, God bless you, right? <laughs> uh, cinematographer that is amazing. The guy did, you know, Interstellar, Ad Astra, Dunkirk. Uh, this is a guy that won't do any movie, uh, but he agreed to do a Jordan Peele movie. And there's also kind of a reference, you know, if you think about it, you know, he gets the greatest cinematographer in the movie, Kiki Palmer's M is trying to get the greatest cinematographer to come and get a movie, get on screen, this alien ship, or is it? And and even developed his own camera for it, too. So t- with Jim talking about slow build, things like that, the pacing of this, while I think to a lot of folks may seem slow, to me that added suspense. Because I don't know what's going to happen. Like they're they're being very monotone. It's the world building slowly. You don't know what's next. Their dad died. Still trying to figure that out. We know something's there just based on trailers. We know something's going to happen, sure. but we don't know when. We don't know exactly what it wants. Is it a ship? Is it a being? All those types of things. For me, I like the pacing being a little slower because I'm leaning forward. Like, okay, what's what's happening next? Because they're when they cut to a new scene. Okay, they're building this for what reason? It's all these questions are going on in my head, which I think is the whole point too of questioning and digesting as you're going because that pace of it allows you to start digesting during the film as well, That's which I enjoyed. It's a good point. Yeah. The uh, other big theme that I think uh, comes from this movie is that uh, too many of the characters in this film, all except for Daniel Kaluuya's OJ, uh, every other character feels that life is not worth living unless I capture this on film or TV or some kind of screen okay Mm. daniel kaluuya's oj is a guy that does not live in that world he has a flip phone everybody else is worrying about Mm. their their (laughs) brand and how they're going to monetize this creature and oj's he just he's just respect in fact uh, one of the most beautiful things as it was dawning on me that i felt that this was a spielberg jaws like movie uh, you know, I've always kind of poked fun at Spielberg for having his all the characters look up at this amazing thing mm-hmm. scene oh. where, you know, Daniel Kaluuya's character, he realizes to stay alive, he has to not look up at the creature. And I thought, oh, what a beautiful contradiction to the trope of everybody looking up. I thought that was great. Don't look up. That's a divisive movie. (laughs) (laughs) That is a very divisive movie. But what got me, though, is how wacky wave and inflatable flailing arm tube man. Oh, yes. Is what caused the monster to be like, hey! F off! What are you looking at? Like, it like wacky wave and inflatable flailing arm tube man triggered the monster it, it, multiple yeah, it times. And, and I don't know if trigger was also a like kind of a pun you're uh, working in there, but well done. He also Thanks. he he likes real horse. 
He does not like a decoy horse. That also pisses him off. Oh, gosh. Uh, as a guy, can I, as a side note, just add that for the first time in my life, and some people in our audience are going to hate me right now, uh, on my last vacation just about a month ago, you when I, was in, I was in Iceland and I ate horse. Okay. okay. It was at a four to five star restaurant, and it was the chef's special, and it was offered in many places. So it is a very common thing in that country, and I said... Well, went in Rome, uh, and it tasted like beef tenderloin. It was fantastic. So mm. it you know, did not have you know, marks where the jockey was hitting it. Okay. It was delicious. Wow. <laughs> so Jim is the beast. I am the beast. Boy, you, do you really flail out like that, too? I, uh, yeah. You, you and do your, get me your dominant features yeah. and everything and poof yeah. out? You've played rec league hockey with me. Uh, you know that uh, I am controlled unless you really... Get me going, and then I'm going to I'm going to go beast mode on you. Yeah, he's oh, going to puff out I'm his gonna, chest. Sounds familiar. I'm going to eat you like a horse. <laughs> or you're going to be in a '90s sitcom and go nuts. Exactly. I'm going to tear your face. Which, off. okay. Speaking of that, I know it's a complete different turn here, but they, they the, the focus was on that shoe and how it was balanced, mm-hmm. so yeah. turned up on its heel, and even in the museum in Jupe's museum, it's presented that way as exactly. well too yes is is there supposed to be more to that that we're supposed to break down that's an excellent question because i think it brings up one thing that may bother some people is there are not answers given to all the questions mm-hmm. in this movie right so i don't know what the significance of that you know slipper you know that's vertical that should be just laying flat on the ground was it there some kind of you know, uh, alien influence in that when that monkey ripped apart the set, uh, was there just something that follows this child actor no matter where he goes in life? Like he, it happened. You know, animals went crazy while he was a kid's superstar, and animals go crazy when he's got his own theme park. There's so many questions. This is a curious thing. I was waiting for the one of the questions unanswered to me is at some point I expected the beast to regurgitate the film cans so that Uh-oh. they would have I agree with that. they would have the evidence and then be, they'd be running off. In fact, when they finally get the shot, the Oprah shot of the, you know, <laughs> UAP of the UFO beast, it's from the old-timey you know, flash photography mm-hmm. from the well. <laughs> and at the end of the movie, M, played by Kiki Palmer, I expected her to turn around and grab the Polaroid of that and go off saying, we got the shot. She doesn't. We don't know what happens after the movie ends. I think that's for character growth. I think she realizes that those things that we mentioned earlier in the podcast that everybody's looking everybody's looking for that fame piece, that screen to, yep. to you know to 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 prove that it happened to to kind of vault into things. They make no no secret that we want to capture this so we can get rich and famous. Right. So, mm-hmm. I think there was a character growth moment there where it wasn't as important. She realized she realized yeah. that we have our lives. That's more important. I, I think that's what it is. Maybe I'm wrong, but there are other things in front of you that are more important than capturing the things in front of you. Yes, and because her brother uh, appears right there. Yeah, people so. ask. By the way, uh, for those who don't know, I, I covered the National Predators here locally in Nashville for 12 years, and people ask me all the time, like, "Well, did you ever get any autographs?" 
And I'm like, no, it's, it's very unprofessional. Sure. And they go, I know, but didn't you want to? And I'm like, no. But- nope. Nope. <laughs> Thank you. Nope. 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 Because, because I was talking to these players. That's way more intimate and personal than an autograph on a yes. picture or a card or a jersey, whatever. Like I'm having a conversation about the game that just happened or the game that's about to happen with these players and I get two to three minutes with them, that's way more important than a Capturing ink to pay mm-hmm. Yeah, so my, yeah. I guess my point is, is that I, th- I think there's a, an element of that there as well. Yes, experience what's there. I mean, every one of us, I think I've been that guy who has been to my daughter's recital, and instead of watching it and beholding, mm-hmm. you know, this person that you love with all of your heart dance their heart out on the stage, I'm trying to get it in a one-inch-by-one-inch one viewfinder on a, a camera so I can save it and probably not watch it later. <laughs> you know what I mean? How often is that true? So it just happened to me the last two weeks. So I want, I want to bring this up with Nope being the title of this. And if this is looking too deep into that title of Nope standing for something. Ah, it is an acronym, according to Jordan Peele. Of not of planet Earth. We have ourselves a winner. My mind is officially blown. Because it's all in caps, too. Yeah. 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 Time for our scores. Okay. I w- I'm very interested to hear what everyone's going to grade this movie and score this movie, because I think we all enjoyed it to one degree or another, but I think some of us enjoyed it more than others, so I'm very interested in this. All right. I'll go first. This is Jim. Uh, <laughs> my score changed over time, because I really think this is a movie that takes a few days to digest. I originally would have said eight, eight and a half. I give it a nine now because the more I think about this movie, the more rich I feel it is and the more meat that is behind what could be just a spectacle, just a visual spectacle. Oh, that was really cool to see. But there is so much more. There's character lines. There's I think there's so much foreshadowing that I missed that I can't wait to go see. And he does touch upon those things that made him an amazing director out of the gate, which is to be able to tap into something that we all know and feel and expose it. And I think he did that. He did that with uh, the quest for fame and money. Uh, I think he did that with, uh, you know, so many other themes that that's why I give it a nine. Bradford. This one for me, it's interesting because of how I have rated other movies, but I want to put each individual movie separate from others and not compare it. I don't want to say, well, I gave this one of this, so I can't give this one of this. Yep. So based on our discussion as well, helping. no sense. But go ahead. I, I get you. I get Jim you. Jim understands me. <laughs> Sorry, I don't. I'm sure. That's why I think we're going to have to book another session. I think so. Yeah. How does that it couch not make over any sense? looking real empty right How now. How does it not make any sense? If I, if I give a movie a nine, that I'm not trying to say that, well, because I gave this a nine, I have to give this one a 9.5 sure. or anything like that. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm taking you can't each- take a math class in high school and get a B and then come back the next semester and the, the criteria is totally changed. It's all the same, dude. It's not a math class. It's art. Parents just don't understand. <laughs> so please don't go back and find out what he gave you know, Jurassic World Dominion. Yeah, ignore all that. He's just talking about Nope. Yes, I'm just talking about Nope. 8.5. Okay. Wow. 
Interesting. Yes, because the more and more that I digest this and us discussing it actually helped me come to that conclusion as well. And as well as discovering more about the film helps me come to that conclusion that it is a great movie. All right. Now, Jeremy K. Gover. Sir, go ahead guy, and log off right now. The guy who, uh, you know. You, Just write and review and then go your, log off. Your, your, our text back and forth was like, since this is a horror movie, and there were you went in with certain expectations. Yes, very much so. And Which I, I usually hate, by the way. <laughs> That's your but, own fault. But, but, but you had them. So I'm interested to hear your score for Nope. I think it's a seven and a half. Whoa. Maybe even an eight. Nice. But that doesn't mean that I'll see it again. Sure. This is one of those classic movies mm-hmm. that I'm like, okay, it's really great filmmaking. Love the performances. Nothing ever really took me out of the film until the very, very end. And so about when the monster kind of reshaped, and I was like, well, where, where did that come from? Other than that. Space. It ne- Thank you. <laughs> Other than that, I, I was never taken out of the movie. I was fully invested. I had no idea I was in a theater. I got lost in it. And that though, is one of your major. You've been consistent in your scores with, yes. with that, that. Because they all compare to each other. Thank you very much. No. No, they don't. <laughs> I respect the filmmaking process. I love the art. I never got I never got taken out of the movie, like I said. I, I was totally invested while in the theater. Wow. I'm, but I'm, I'm not over. chomping at the bit to go back and see it again. I won't buy it on digital. Like, the, like sure. I probably won't see That's it again. That's understandable. Yeah, th- and there's a lot of movies like that, and I think a lot of those have like a, a heavy uh, gore element, and I'm going to put like a Saving Private Ryan in that category. It's m- m- masterful filmmaking. Do I want to see it again? No. Castaway is my go-to. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. I don't, I don't Beautiful film, again. but I have no desire to... Log in two and a half hours again. What else and... are you going to discover? By this one, I think you might discover more. Yeah. Maybe so. But Castaway. But I have no, okay, right. But, but, but no, but, but, I like your, but I like Very your example. Straightforward. I, but I do like your example. You you got it. You digested it. It's a beautiful film. What more do you need to continue to do? You've moved with on. that. Yeah. 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 Maybe maybe nothing. But again, this is the opposite of what I gave a couple episodes ago when I when I gave Swingers as an example of like how it's not a good film. But I watch it all the time. Sure, this is the opposite. And we all of that. have this. Those. Is the yeah, this is a seven and a half, eight for sure. It's a really solid, highly recommended. If you like this thing, go see it. But for me personally, there's almost no rewatch. Takes value. a lot for Gover to give anything like over a seven. Yeah, I, if you so. would, if you'd asked me, he was going to give it, you know, that high a score beforehand. I would have said no, no, no. Question of the week. Guys, I cannot tell you how excited I am about this one because as my son was watching a movie that is on my list, so I will not say it, <laughs> my son was watching a movie the other day and I was like, that movie, nobody ever talks about how great that movie was. Three Ninjas. No. And <laughs> and, and, uh, and I thought that would be a really cool topic to toss around. Give us, Give me movies. And I want you to do this too at home. I want you. To, I, I very much want to hear your five because everyone's got their own list. I'm sure. I'd be shocked actually if any of us double up. To be honest. True. So I want to hear your guys's five, top five, top five movies that are criminally underrated. They should be getting praise, or nobody seems to be talking about them. Even at the time when they came out, they maybe got lost in a mm-hmm. really big blockbuster summer, mm-hmm. and you're yeah. like, and then, you know, retrospect, you go back and watch, you're like, this is damn good. How did you not give? Oh, because you were up against. 
right. you know, Iron Man and you know, like all the you know, Dark Knight Rises and like all these crazy movies. You know, so I, I would love to get your take on that, and I would I really really want to hear your take at home as well. So you can follow us at Untitled Film Project, and please everywhere. tweet us and on all the socials and comment and all that stuff on YouTube, whatever it takes. Please, please, please get us your list of five criminally underrated movies because I can almost guarantee you everyone's got a separate list. Oh, yeah. And this is where we're going to discover some gems. So I agree with that. Good question. Mm -hmm. Jeremy Gover, uh, Justin Bradford, you want to kick us off? Sure. So I think there's there's two here that are similar. So I'll start with my first one, and it's Treasure Planet. Okay. And the reason why is I think it was ahead of its time. Okay. You know, it's, 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 it's a fantastic film, and I think it's gained more attention now almost as a cult classic because people are appreciating the story of treasure planet which is kind of that science fiction fiction off of treasure island as well but it's such a good movie and joseph gordon levitt emma thompson martin short are all voices in this as well too and you think this was 2002 Mm -hmm. and it just hits at the wrong time i think in terms of when it was released from by disney that it didn't take off like it probably would have in the late 20 aughts or 20 teens sure so but that's my first one and i love this film it's it's a great adventure great animation styling as well too it's a fun fun movie a great adventure science fiction type of animation film that i just i think it gets talked about more now as people realize this is actually a really good film so i want to be clear these aren't in order right these are just five okay as we thought of okay yeah and what's your give us another one another one is going to be atlantis (laughs) <laughs> the well, it's Lost the same Empire. era of Disney. Same era, 2001. They were between the, the classic uh, aerial a- animation and before the Pixar. Mm. The full Pixar takeover yeah, of things. Tarzan era, yeah. that whole thing. Another one that was just, I think, is underrated because of the great adventure and the storytelling that's in it. Uh, Michael J. Fox, Jim Varney. Our voices, Jim Varney. I know. Wow. But, but 2001, so 2001, 2002, back-to-back years for two movies that underperformed at the box office but after the fact have done so well and people continue to talk about it and saying this was so underrated that they should have done so much better but at the timing of when they're released they didn't receive the credit that, that that they deserve as great animated films nice all right jimmy all right i'm gonna throw this out as uh, the oft mocked m night Shyamalan. right oh yes <laughs> for his ooh a twist uh a lot of people hated this movie I thought it was brilliant. I like The Village. <laughs> okay. okay. All right. I just got some laughs and some eye rolls. Mm. All right. So you've got uh, this this almost like Amish kind of society closed off from the rest of the world. And uh, there is a wicked twist at the end, you know, that you don't see coming. I'm not going to give it away. But it's got some very good acting performances in there. We've got uh, Joaquin Phoenix, mm-hmm. Sigourney Weaver's in there, William Hurt, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard in one of her early, you know, really good features. She was the films. one. She was the standout in that film, in my opinion. She was I, she great. Was, she was excellent. She was great. She was great. So uh, make fun all you want, but I say go see the village. Okay. I'll stream it. Village is all right. That's an interesting one. Okay. Mainly because I hated it when I saw it. The, uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, come on! No, that was sorry. my reaction. Sorry. Uh, my first one is iRobot. Ooh, okay. With Will Smith, and it's a tremendous <laughs> it's a tremendous uh, look into, a p- possible look into the future and how things will operate and work, and the overall philosophical debate that I think people would have, if they're being honest with each other, in themselves about 
the, a robot's place and what they can do and how you should treat them. And then, of course, how the rights do they have? Yes, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's, uh, it sounds right. like yeah. that in and of itself, the rights of a robot almost sounds stupid, but the way it's presented with the backstory of Will Smith's character mm-hmm. and all that, it's tremendous. And I, it has such high rewatch value for me. Oh, that's the word I was going to use I, rewatchability. Yeah, it I, has that. I watch it at least once a year. Okay, this will be my third one yep. then. Uh, Chef. 2014, oh, John, John Favreau. Favreau. Oh, yep. yes. yes. And I don't want to say it's criminally underrated. I just think... But that's the category we're talking I know, about. Okay, but it's difficult to say that because criminally underrated I really enjoy question. this. Okay, okay Maybe you know not what? a felony, it's just a misdemeanor. I just don't see as many people talk about this. <laughs> Jim. Uh, <laughs> I just don't see as many people anymore. talk about the film, even though I think it was decently rated. I don't see as many people that generally talked about this film as well. No, you're right. I, I enjoyed it so much. I enjoyed the storyline. I enjoyed what it sparked as well because there's Chef Show as well on Netflix that John Favreau's done with the, the chef that inspired him in this. You get Scarlett Johansson, you get Robert Downey Jr. that has basically a cameo in it. It's a fun film just about food, but also kind of a coming of age to rediscover his art, artistry when it comes to cooking and the love of gotcha. cooking, as well as the relationship with his son. Like There's an actual great plot and a great story with it. Plus, I'm a, I consider myself a foodie. So I love how he's rediscovering food and kind of going through that adventure of starting a food truck after being a high-end restaurant chef. So just loved it. Jim, your second one, sir. (laughs) Uh, It is probably one of my favorite comfort movies, and it's because I love spies. I love the Cold War. Takes on some more meaning now. The Hunt for Red October. Mm. Oh, Criminally? Really? I, I really think it's been forgotten. Maybe not criminally underrated when it came out in the 90s, early 90s, uh, but this movie is a, is a Ridley Scott film. The guy knows how to ratchet up tension and really make a thriller. Cool. I have to go back and watch that. I haven't seen that in decades. The book's really good, too, obviously. Phenomenal book. <laughs> yes. That requires reading. One of the best adaptations. <laughs> but books uh, for Gover are just like vegetables. Yeah, right, yeah. I, I repel them at all costs. Pat the bunny. <clears throat> you like think books you can touch and feel. <laughs> My Pop-ups. second one is 13 Days. Kevin Costner movie, which a yep. lot of people are down on, and I think actually that's why that's what hurt this film, actually, was the, the reputation of Kevin Costner. You're going to have to remind me. Doing weak movies. Okay, so 13 Days is about the Cold War yep. and the Cuban Missile Crisis. Oh, yes. And uh, they brought Bobby Kennedy back from the dead to play Bobby Kennedy. Stephen Culp is tremendous at Bobby Kennedy. He looks just like him. Yes, he does. It's pretty crazy. So uh, it, it, it's not like they just went out and got an actor that looked like the character right that right. he actually has acting chops and he's tremendous in the film so 13 days i watch it every single this is gonna sound really dark i watch it every single year around the cuban missile crisis time like when like when it's sure you know uh around that time because i'm always shocked that it's not on tv the, the performances are incredible the tension is absolutely palpable you can feel it through your tv screen i love 13 days so i think 13 days is criminally underrated Okay, so this will be my fourth one. Yeah, now. I'm only on. I'm only on two, but you're. Yeah, that's okay. Right, you, right. Mine stole be, two at one time. Earlier, so. You all told me to. You're you sprinting to the finish. It's okay. Yes. Just wait for it. Fine, us I'll do end. two next. Okay. Go ahead. Okay, your fourth one is Empire Records. Oh, okay, that's solid. Okay. That's a solid guess. 1995. Right. Yep. Liv Tyler, Renee Zellweger. It's just one of those classic 90s films that's so many different characters involved coming of age for some other characters you right. have you know love and damn the man and so much stuff happening all centered around a record shop that is ready to go out of business so let me ask you sold off. let me stop you right there though and ask because i can't hardly wait for almost right. the exact same reason was on sure. my list right okay it's not on my list but I mean, it was i was considering it 
because then I was like, no, it doesn't hold up. The clicks in high school are obviously still there. Everyone, you know, people who go to high school can tell us that, of course, there's clicks still. But the the type of clicks, the type of conversation, the type of things that they use in Can't Hardly Wait, for example, are not present for the most part now. So it doesn't hold. It's a snapshot of the mid-90s high school experience for sure. But it's not – you can't – I don't think my son could watch it when he's in high school and appreciate it. And so that's what I'm asking about Empire Records because there are no record stores anymore because there are those – do you think it still holds up even to this time? I think the tropes hold up. I think that's okay. as important as the overall storyline okay. of you know a, a – Locally owned business selling out to a major business. Okay, that's true. That's sure. it's that that trope right there, but also just like the teenage drama, or quote unquote teenage drama, because they don't look like teenagers. <laughs> right, no, nobody's the teenager. Nobody's yeah. a teenager. Yeah. Uh, but just that thing of like Liv Tyler's character being in love with this, you know, much older man type of thing. I think mm. some of the the tropes that you would get in a teenage drama still hold up. Granted, there's going to be plenty of jokes that don't hold up. Mm. Plenty of right. humor that's not going to hold. Up. It's 1995. Right, not going to hold up. But <laughs> The re- one of the reasons why it's on there for me is because I have personal connection to it for some odd reason, but it makes more sense now that I think about this of why in social studies in seventh grade, we watched this film. Seventh grade for me was 1996. So it was right after, like it was right in the release, the teacher who was then probably in his late 20s, mid 20s, made us watch this film. And you think about social studies in terms of looking at the American teenager and everything, it makes more sense now to look back at it back then. It's like, oh, movie day. Right, but now it's actually there's a learning part of this too in terms of this is what movies are think are portraying as the American teenager. I just think underrated in that part because okay. of all like the can't hardly waits, all those other teenage movies of the '90s. I don't think Empire Records gets talked about enough, so that's why it makes the criminally underrated because there's so many others that seem to be popped up above yep. this one. That's fair. Sure. All right, Jim. Uh, this is Jim, and I am going to uh, go to not the. Uncut Gems, Adam Sandler, but the Spanglish, mm, Adam okay. Sandler. I have to admit, I'm very shocked there's an Adam Sandler movie on this list, but go ahead. <laughs> uh, because it is quite good. Uh, he's in a dramatic role. Uh, he plays a chef, so you guys should be interested. There's food. Uh, <laughs> what are you trying to say? <laughs> We're fat. That's that's it. Duly noted. He's in this uh, failed marriage with Taya Leone. Right. And uh, he has, you know, this dilemma on his hands of he seems to click with their foreign housekeeper. And it's him dealing with that. And he is terrific in this movie. So I think of all the Adam Sandler playing a dramatic role, this one is criminally underrated. You can give me Punch Drunk Love. You can give me Uncut Gems. Those are great movies. But this one gets forgotten. My next one, third one, I'll give you a fourth one as well, because we've got to catch up with Bradford over here. Okay. The third one is Contact with Jodie Foster. Oh, man. Uh, it's Now, I don't. Here's, here's my little asterisk to this. I don't know if it just hit me at a spiritual level because of the moment in time I saw it. So I saw it in the theater okay. in 1997, okay? Yep. So I, don't, I almost didn't include it, because as much as I loved the film, and as much as I was with my best friend at the time, Dave, who left the theater telling me it changed him i don't know if that is because of the moment in time and therefore i didn't want to impose it on the audience and they would go watch it they're like "Eh, that's okay you know like i didn't know but i'm leaving it on this list because it was so impactful to me a film very rarely you leave the theater or leave your couch or whatever it is and are, are are philosophically changed 
buy a film, in my opinion. You're having conversations either with yourself or the people you went with in the car. Yes. For weeks after. Yes. It's not just like, oh, okay, hey, let's talk about this movie. It's, it, I mean, it's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a look inside, an introspective look inside my spirituality, my, my mental state, my, uh, the, phil- my, the philosophies I have about life. I mean, everything about it. It was presented by this one movie. Can we say that, because uh, I think it's a it's a thinking person's movie, mm-hmm. all right? Well, and okay, I, that would make sense, too, I guess. I and, didn't think about that, but and, yeah. And I think the thinking person's drama, sci-fi, whatever, always gets overlooked and underrated because the audiences are going to talk about, I guess, the more accessible one. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, for example, uh, Armageddon. It came out at the same time as Deep Impact. Deep Impact. Mm-hmm. Deep Impact is your thinking man's your version target, of the yeah. of the of the meteor coming, and Armageddon is the let's blow crap up. Right. It's the Hollywood big budget. Not that Deep Impact wasn't, but it's the right. it's yeah. the more yeah slightly yeah. different takes on it. So, Contact changed my way of and maybe questioned so many things, especially the age yes. that I saw it. I'm a young teenager mm-hmm. and so when you're starting to figure out things in life and question life of what am i what kind of person am i and everything too question about god religion there's so much coming science and all these things coming into play contact was definitely one of those changing movies so i appreciate you putting it on your list jeremy because that is definitely a movie that i don't think talks is getting talked about enough mm-hmm. as well too and i think the length of the film is why some people did not like it because sure. it was a very long film but as soon as the moment that jodie foster lands back and like oh you're only gone for so many minutes she's like what it's the mind-blowing aspect of oh my god and then it ends <laughs> yeah there's there's two things i want to say yeah. about this the first one is uh it, I I think people only think of it when they list Robert Zemeckis movies. Okay. That's the only time I've ever seen it come okay. up in conversation is when they're like, oh, hey, Robert Zemeckis. Oh, yeah, he did this, 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 in contact. It's never on its own, and I think that's horrendously underserved. That's number one. Number two is the only pop culture reference that I know of, not that I'm an expert, but the only pop culture reference that I know of was on South Park, when they it was right it was ninety eight ninety nine something like that and the and it, mm-hmm. it was a, a throwaway joke in the classroom I think and somebody had said something about contact and the teacher said or whoever it was whatever character it was said I waited all movie to see the alien and it was her, it was her dad <laughs> and that was the entire thing so if you haven't seen it yes that I guess that kind of spoils it for you but I'm telling the movie is, is so it? much more than that. I don't that. think it does. It's so much more than that. But my point is that's the only reference I have. It was it was this this offshoot filler <laughs> joke that that spoils this movie because they went in, the writers clearly went in thinking sci-fi, I'm gonna see some alien stuff. Right. And they did not see that. They and got then it. therefore they were let down. And that is one of the biggest, and I'm just as guilty as anybody else, but maybe this is a whole episode for another day. But managing expectations going into a film sets us up for failure or success. And I think yep. this is a perfect example of that. It was there was more to the plot and the story and everything about it than just oh she meets her dad again. There's more to it than that, but that's what certain people took away because they were waiting to see something else. Oh, it's a sci-fi movie, this would be great. Hmm. And it was not. I mean it was, but it you know it's, that's it's, why it's a thinking movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's yeah. why uh, I think critics loved, but the public has largely ignored the movie Arrival. Yes. Which is one, oh, that's a good one. Which is one of the best in that category, I yes, think. Yes, that almost made my list, actually. Yeah. So <laughs> let me get my fourth one real quick, because I know we took a long time on that one. Bolt is my fourth one. It's oh. an animated film oh, yeah. about a dog. Miley Cyrus Miley. is the main character, but uh, which 
I think it, I, I haven't looked at this, but I think it got lost in what I said earlier. It got lost in the big summer of blockbusters, whatever. Yep. Because my my son watched it a couple of years ago, and he's nine, by the way. So he so he was seven or so when he watched it, and uh, he just loved it. And I remember watching it with him, and I remember thinking like, this movie is it's solid. Like it's like it's got a good message. It's funny. It's got you know it's yep. really cool. It's a you know, it's good quandary. They got good characters. That if it were made now, you'd have Funko Pops made of the. Oh, this, totally. I mean, you'd have all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff. But because of the era it was made in, I'm not saying it was ahead of its time. It's an animated. It's not like it's groundbreaking, but you know, but it, it wasn't put out at the right time to then capitalize on merchandise and then of course get thrust into the sure you know. So Bolt is my fourth one that I wanted to quickly mention. Now we're caught up with you, Bradford. So oh yeah, what is your yay. fifth and okay. final? The fifth and final one is Annihilation. That's a that's a really neat film. It is a very unique Natalie Portman. Oh, Natalie Portman. Uh, <laughs> Tessa Thompson's in it as well. But yep. it's one of those kind of changes and shifts of genre because Ooh. things don't apply to the laws of nature in it. And that's why I appreciate it. And it is also making you question the own things in your own life. Because it's it's one of those that's that the movie's about. It's another thinking movie. Yeah. That's what I think. Thinking with thriller and horror and stuff like that to where you come out of the movie not necessarily knowing what you saw because you have to let it digest. And I yep. enjoy those movies that you have, like Inception. You have to digest it yep. a little bit and then you start sure. arguing and everyone has a different viewpoint of what this meant. Tenet. Yes. Yes. Oh, easily. That's what I think yeah. makes for a great science fiction type of film is that you don't have always uh, an actual point. Jimmy, your final one? Uh, I am going to go with... Because I think, it, again, if it's another movie that gets remembered in a similar genre, it's Fargo. But the movie mm. I'm going to suggest is A Simple Plan. Oh. Directed by Sam Raimi, early Billy Bob Thornton. You also have Bill Paxton, Bridget Fonda. It's They find a bag of money and things go wrong, which, you know, is just... The simplest way to describe this movie, there is so much going on, so many great performances, and so much tension, you will want to crawl inside your own body for protection. It is <laughs> just that good of a movie. So, a simple plan, it's a simple movie, done so well. Okay, so my final one, <clears throat> excuse me, my final one is True Lies, <laughs> because okay. it's so underrated that nobody has been like, you know what, we should put it on Blu-ray or make it available on digital. It is not available on Blu-ray or digital. It is only available on the originally issued DVD, and that's it. There's no HD version of True Lies. Really? Unless you watch it on TV or capture on Hulu or something like that, and then you can record it. That's that's the only way. And you did your research on this thing, because if you're saying that, that is a big statement. Because I've tried to buy it a hundred different times so I can watch it, and I have to wait for it to come up on some cable network and then get through the... It is intensely frustrating that they have not gone back and made this... This available. has got to be some kind of legal question about rights and this right. and that. that it's something. That got has to be. stopped it from getting it to that point where you can buy it, because I'm sure they'd love to get your money. <laughs> I'm willing to give it to them, Jimmy. I've been waiting to buy True Lies forever, and I had to record it on Hulu and then save it like via DVR or something, and just so I could watch it in HD. So tell us your criminally underrated movies Tell us why you think they're criminally underrated and what's so great about them. Because this list could have gone on forever. So we'd love to hear what you thought of NOPE. What does the letters N-O-P-E stand for if it's not of 
planet Earth. Uh, tell us your impressions. Give us uh, how long it's been since you saw the movie. Have you changed your mind about something in the movie? Did it get better? Or did you just, like, uh, walk out of the movie and forget about it? What is your reaction? Or did you walk out in the middle of it? <laughs> Around yes. people. Around people. From being in the middle of the theater. Disturbing their film experience. If you did, we're going to hunt you down. <laughs> we're going to hunt you down like a horse. <laughs> and eat you in rain. <laughs> Find uh, Untitled Film Project podcast wherever you social media. <laughs> That's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Make sure you do that. And subscribe to us, like, give us some reviews, uh, wherever you get your podcast. But Spotify, iHeart, Apple, wherever you go, you can find that. You can find the link to get all those as well on our Twitter, our Facebook, or Instagram. Right there, easy to subscribe. And hey, interact with us on social media all theorists have twitter we love interacting with you we want to hear your opinions on movies what you think we need to see if there's a classic film we need to review or if you have a question you'd like us to answer we want to hear from you thank you for listening to the untitled film project podcast to support the show please rate review follow and subscribe original music by jeremy schwartz Special thanks to the Music City Film Critics Association. Editing and post-production by Jeremy K. Gover. Voiceover by Chad Bennett. The Untitled Film Project podcast is presented in cooperation with iHeartRadio.